and pro- This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. Have you wanted to know what God's will was? Well, you might start with gratitude. In everything give thanks. So today on Viewpoint, we want to recover the attitude of gratitude, and we're going to recover that from our past. We're going to recover it from our past and then bring it forward into the present to prepare for the future. You say, how are you going to do all of that in the next hour? Well, you'll just have to wait and see. So we are commanded in everything to give thanks doesn't say for everything, but in everything, in all of the circumstances, we can give thanks. Because we do not know at any given time what the particular circumstances are going to mean for our future and the future of others around us. Just ask a fellow by the name of Joseph in the Old Testament. At 13 years of age, he was taken captive by his brothers, thrown in a pit, They sold him into slavery, and several times he was cast into prison unrighteously, falsely accused, and then ultimately, after 17 years of the word of the Lord tried him, he was put in the position of second ruler over Egypt under Pharaoh himself. Do you think Joseph might have seen how God could use all of those seeming horrible and unfair things in his life? In fact, he did. He told his brothers, You meant it unto me for evil, but God meant it unto you for good, to save many. There's always a way for you and I to give thanks. We must give thanks. It was just, uh, well, about 20 years ago that the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart concerning this matter of gratitude. It was such a revelation that it changed my entire life and outlook as a Christian. It changed everything. It changed relationships. It changed attitudes toward the things that were happening or not happening. Because in everything, now I was able to give thanks. That was the will of God concerning me. But what's the will of God concerning you? It begins with giving thanks. So today we want to talk about the truth about Thanksgiving and how to recover the attitude of gratitude. But in order to do that, we have to go back. We have to go back and remember. So I ask you a question here. Do you know when the first Thanksgiving occurred on these shores Do you know when history will record the last Thanksgiving? That might be a surprising question for you. A well-taught Southerner knows that America's first Thanksgiving was not in 1621 at the Plymouth Plantation in Massachusetts, but in 1619 at Berkeley 100 in Virginia. That's true. It happened in 1619 at Berkeley 100 in Virginia, just about 40 miles from where this broadcast is now emanating. 
Captain Woodliffe, who was the captain of the good ship Margaret that had brought over a bunch of uh, folks on behalf of the Virginia Company, penned simple words in the spelling of the day, a proclamation that forever embedded the spirit of thanksgiving in the fabric of our national heritage. Here's what he said. We ordain that the day of our ship's arrival at the place assigned for a plantation in the land of Virginia shall be yearly and perpetually kept holy as a day of thanksgiving to Almighty God. Interesting, isn't it? That it shall be yearly and perpetually kept holy as a day of thanksgiving to Almighty God. Are we doing that today? Well, at least the word thanksgiving is carried forth. It has taken on a very different significance for most, hasn't it? But nearly 200 years later, those seeds of thanksgiving gave birth to a nation. Because George Washington, in his inaugural address, led his countrymen in acknowledging, saying, no people can be bound to acknowledge and adore adore the invisible hand which conducts the affairs of men more than the people of the United States. Every step by which they have advanced to the character of an independent nation, he said, seems to have been distinguished by some token of providential agency. What was he saying? We need to give thanks. Are we giving thanks today? We'll ask ourselves. That question will hover over our conversation here today on Viewpoint. So I'm glad that you've joined us. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. Interestingly, it was the Massachusetts Bay Thanksgiving of the Pilgrims that compelled the nation to honor their sacrifice, to risk and commit to the cause of Christ, and to join them continuing and centuries later in thanksgiving for his blessings. So we have the first Thanksgiving in 1619 at Berkeley 100 in Virginia, right there on the James River. And then we have the next Thanksgiving in 1621 after a year of survival when half of the pilgrims lost their lives in the wilderness in Massachusetts. All who lived, the pattern is going to be repeated in the end times, friends. Listen carefully. The same pattern will be repeated in the end times. All who have lived as strangers and pilgrims on earth, pursuing Christ and his new world, will celebrate history's final thanksgiving. In fact, Revelation 7 says, they will cry, blessing and honor and thanksgiving to our God forever and ever. So you can see that viewpoint determines destiny, does it? Even with regard to the matter of thanksgiving, and perhaps especially with the matter of thanksgiving. So we want to go back. We want to go back, having set the status the stage from Berkeley 100 in 1619 to the Pilgrims in 1621, we'll pick up what they had to say and what actually happened there. And when you hear these words, you will come to the conviction that indeed, indeed, this was founded as a Christian people. 
whether or not that continued to persevere into the political founding of the country in 1789 with the Constitution, that can be argued. But we're even going to see there how our first president, our 16th president, and so on, carried forth the very spirit of that Thanksgiving. And it wasn't just a generic Thanksgiving. It was a Thanksgiving to the God who had made and preserved us a nation. So, when we get back from this break, we're going to go back and we're going to take a look at that first English-speaking observance of Thanksgiving that occurred in 1619 at what is now Berkeley Plantation. Stay tuned, friends. There is much to be learned, much encouragement to be had as we go forth today on this program. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Thanksgiving, giving thanks. It's called the sacrifice of Thanksgiving. Why would it be called a sacrifice of Thanksgiving? Maybe we should think about that. Why would it be called a thanks, a sacrifice of Thanksgiving? You know why? Because if we don't give thanks, it means we're taking credit for ourselves. So when we give thanks, It's removing the credit that we can gain for ourselves and shifting it over to someone else or to God himself. That is sacrificial because we're sacrificing ourself in favor of someone else. It's the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Perhaps we need a lot more of that these days, don't we? But let's go back to Berkeley 100. The Berkeley Plantation in 1619. Let's put this in perspective. There were several important events that occurred in 1619, right here in Virginia, and all within 50 miles of where this broadcast emanates, and perhaps the reason why God called us to leave Southern California after 30 years of business ministry and political investment there to the birthplace of the nation, Richmond, Virginia, on the shores of the James. So, Here we are. In 1619, the first representative government in America took place at Jamestown. The first representative government in America took place at Jamestown. And that was just a few miles away from where Berkeley 100 was and where these pilgrims landed. But also in 1619, the first slaves were introduced to the very same area. In fact, particularly at Richmond, Virginia. But also it was in 1619 that the cross was first planted on these shores, first out there by Virginia Beach, 
And then at Richmond, Virginia, at the place of the falls where they had a great prayer meeting, gave a great shout so much that it drew the Indians from far and near. All of these events, some looked upon as negative, one looked upon as profoundly negative, slavery, the others looked upon as profoundly positive, at least historically were looked upon as profoundly positive. So, that puts the issue of Thanksgiving in a conundrum, doesn't it? What are you going to do with the introduction of slavery in the context of Thanksgiving in at Berkeley 100, a few miles away, and then also two years later in Massachusetts Bay? May I suggest to you that perhaps the best way to look at that was suggested by Little Dove McGowan. Shirley McGowan, who was a leader of the Massapunai tribe, Indian tribe, very close to the James River. She joined me on this radio program years ago when we first began, and she said, Chuck, I want you to know that even though there were some negative things that happened, War occurred between the settlers, some of the settlers years later, and between my people. But, she said, I want you to know that I am deeply grateful that the white man came to these shores because without that, I would not have known Jesus. My people would not have known Jesus. Another man joined me on this program, he happened to be black. And he said, Chuck, I have a very different attitude toward the whole issue of slavery and all of that than most of my black brethren. He said, even though I'm relatively poor, I am exceedingly grateful that the white man even brought us over to this country Yes, it was under very unpleasant and unfair circumstances, but I'm grateful because without that, neither I nor my people would have known Jesus. He was grateful. And if you were to talk to that man on any day, in spite of the horrible things that have happened to him, not having to do with his his skin color, but having to do with other issues, you would see how an attitude of gratitude deeply changes a person's life and the lives of everyone around them. Well, there were 35 settlers and 19 crewmen aboard the small but seaworthy English vessel called the good ship Margaret that arrived at Berkeley 100 on December 4th, 1619. They went ashore in a holy hush, knelt and began giving thanks to God for guiding and keeping them safe during their 3,000-mile voyage across the Atlantic Ocean from Bristol, England. Actually, their prayer actions that day were quite in keeping with the 1606 First Virginia Charter, that is, the birth certificate of American civilization, quite frankly, with its single written purpose, here it was, propagating of Christian religion, which purpose was repeated both in the 1609 Second and 1612 Third Virginia Charters 
and evidenced by the cross-raising service at Cape Henry in 1607, directly followed during the next four weeks by cross-plantings along the James River up to the famous Christopher Newport Cross on a small island right at the falls, the fall line of what is now called Richmond. Do you see the pattern here? The pattern here is one of godliness. The pattern here is one of continuing to press on in the name of the Lord for the purposes of the Lord and to give thanks notwithstanding the difficulties that were uh, incurred in the process. The Virginia Company was headquartered in London, but it was not just an economic venture. It was was a Bible-based Christian economic venture intended to replace princehood and priestcraft with president and preacher. The visionary and chief author of the Virginia Company charters was Reverend Richard Hucklett. The legislative leader was Sir Edwin Sandys, a prominent Puritan Anglican. The establisher on the site was Sir Thomas Dale, a Puritan Anglican governor, and it was all headquartered at six at the 1611 city of Henricus, which is on the James River. It was Virginia's first capital. And it was there he taught Pocahontas to read through and study the Bible. The Puritan Anglican minister there was Reverend Alexander Whitaker, who baptized Pocahontas in the James River. And the Puritan Anglican entrepreneur, John Rolfe, who, as any true Virginia knows, married and had a son with Pocahontas. See how all of this is tied together? So, what about the pilgrims then? Well, two years and 17 days after the 1619 Berkeley Thanksgiving, the religious Mayflower pilgrims landed in 1621. In 1620, rather. And in 1621, finally, over a year after they had landed in 1620 at Plymouth Rock, they had their Thanksgiving, a one-time-only thing, and even though they were very sincere, there was nothing said at that time about theirs being an annual event, as opposed to the one at Berkeley 100 was declared to be an annual event to be done every year. Stephen Smith was chancellor of the Henricus College that was formed in 1619, and I have met Stephen Smith, and actually Stephen Smith conducted my wife and I on a boat journey up the James River to the plaques of Henricus where this first educational, shall we say, college, university education began in America, all in the name of Christ. So, days of Thanksgiving are a rare thing among nations. My friend Bill Federer uh, sent a piece out saying, days of Thanksgiving are a rare thing among nations. So, we have to remember our nation's history so that we can render appropriate gratitude to God. In 1620, the pilgrims left Holland for England and then intended to sail to Jamestown. 
But they got blown off course to Massachusetts, and half of the Pilgrims died the first winter. But the next year, with the help of Squanto, the Pilgrims had an abundant harvest in 1621. The Pilgrim leader, Edward Winslow, wrote this. Our harvest being gotten in, our governor sent four men on fowling, that is to go out and uh, get some some fowl for us to eat, so that we might have a special manner rejoice together after we had gathered the fruit of our labors. They four in one day killed as much fowl as, with a little help besides, served the company almost a week. Many of the Indians then came among us, and among the rest their greatest king, Massasoit, with some ninety men whom for three days we entertained and feasted. And they went out and killed five deer, which they brought to the plantation and bestowed on our governor and among and upon the captain and others. Doesn't sound like the pilgrims had animosity toward the indigenous people, does it? In fact, it sounds like they had great favor, both of them with the other. Recognize that. We need to recognize that. It is not what people are being told in school. It began in a wholesome, healthy, and holy environment. Then, after the Declaration of Independence, the first national day of Thanksgiving was declared November 1st, 1777, by the Continental Congress. After passing the Bill of Rights, which included the First Amendment, Congress requested President George Washington to issue a National Day of Thanksgiving, which he did October 3rd, 1789. Here's what he said. Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for his benefits and humbly to implore his protection and favor. And whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God. Does this not sound like the foundations of a people who were fundamentally Christian in their orientation. Now, therefore, he said, I do recommend Thursday, the 26th day of November, to be devoted by the people of these United States to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be, that we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks to promote the knowledge and practice of true religion and virtue. Hmm. Are you remembering with an open heart now? Are you encouraged that indeed what your children and grandchildren have been taught in public schools now for 40 years has been false? That the emphasis was placed on the wrong place? so that the children could not be grateful for their heritage, but would look down upon their heritage with spite, animosity, and rejection. 
That's exactly, my friends, what the godless leaders in our country and in the world are desiring of the peoples in this country, starting with our young people. That's why they are doing what they're doing so that our young people, and certainly that would mean everybody 40 years of age and under at this juncture, would no longer have allegiance or any sense of value in their country so that they can be easily assimilated assimilated into a new godless world order. On September 25th, 1794, President George Washington proclaimed a national day of Thanksgiving in perfect reliance on that gracious providence which so signally displays its goodness toward this country. Are you thankful yet? We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archive. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. Thanksgiving is the pill that will break the greed fever that burns in our land. Those are words contained in one of our very first newsletters that came out November of 1993, titled The Mayflower Mirror. Why was it called The Mayflower Mirror? Because we could look in the mirror of history through the Mayflower, and see what kind of people we have become. Are we a grateful people? Or an ungrateful people? Are our hearts full of thanksgiving? Or are we full of murmuring and complaining? Are we truly trusting God? Or are we trusting government? After the War of 1812 was ended, President James Madison proclaimed a day of Thanksgiving on March 4, 1815. He said that it might be observed by the people of the United States with religious solemnity as a day of Thanksgiving and of devout acknowledgments to Almighty God for his great goodness manifested in restoring to them the blessing of peace. He said no people ought to feel greater obligation to celebrate the goodness of the great disposer of events and of the destiny of nations than the people of the United States. You thought it was just George Washington who made statements of thanksgiving and prayer. 
Or maybe you thought it was just Abraham Lincoln, but there was President James Madison. On October 3rd, 1863, Abraham Lincoln proclaimed the first annual National Day of Thanksgiving. In the midst of a civil war of unequaled magnitude and severity. How could he do that? How could he do that in the midst of a civil war? Because he saw how God, despite all the death and all the pain and all the division and all the anguish, that God was working to accomplish his good pleasure in bringing discipline, in bringing judgment to our country that we might have hope for the future. That's why he could say, this nation under God and only under God shall have a new birth of freedom. The government of the people and by the people and for the people shall not perish from the earth. What was the foundation for that? Gratitude, thanksgiving, looking at things through different eyes than the majority of the people. President Teddy Roosevelt acknowledged how rare America is in this national day of praise and thanksgiving. So on October 24th, 1903, he said, During the last year, the Lord has dealt bountifully with us, and it behooves us not only to rejoice greatly because of what has been given us, but to accept it with a solemn sense of responsibility, realizing that under heaven it rests with us ourselves to show that we are worthy to use aright what has been entrusted to our care. In no other place and at no other time has the experiment of government of the people, by the people, or for the people been tried on so vast a scale as here in our own country, he said. Therefore, in thanking God for the mercies extended to us in the past, we beseech him that he may not withhold them in the future. Now, if we knew just those four proclamations of thanksgiving, it might be enough. If we went back over them and remembered them, like putting building stones to set a place, a place of remembrance as the children of Israel did, Are we doing that? I think not. For the most part, what we're doing is actually more and more complaining. We're not looking to trust God, and therefore we are having decreasing gratitude toward him. So let me ask you a question. If you're a father or a mother, and you do something or your children, or your grandchildren, and they do not show any appreciation. How does it make you feel? Does it open up your heart with arms of, to extend to them in welcome and to provide more and more benefits and joy for them? No. It shuts off that valve, doesn't it? That's what it does with God. God's a father. He said through the prophet Malachi, if I am a father, where is my honor? Where is my praise? 
In other words, where's the thanksgiving that is owed to me? But it wasn't there. And so the people were judged. And they went through 400 years of prophetic silence after that. God said, okay, if you're not grateful, if you're not going to honor me as Father and God, then I'll let you experience what it's like not to have me in your life. That's what he did. 400 years of prophetic silence. Now, we have had over 400 years since 1607, since 1619, since 1620 and 21, since 1789. We've had over 400 years. It began with gratitude but decreasingly expressing gratitude to God. The most recent president to give gratitude to God was Donald Trump. Think about it. It's just the way it is. Why would that be? A different attitude. A different outlook. An outlook of hope. Interestingly, God said, In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. So I ask you, Some questions. If we're going to give glory to God through gratitude, which, by the way, is what he wants us to do, through the sacrifice of thanksgiving, how can I say thanks? How can I express that gratitude? When can or should I do that? Why should I do it? What should cause me to have an attitude of gratitude and thanksgiving. Where should that be expressed? To whom should it be expressed? And what what should I be thankful for anyway? We look around. We see things deteriorating in our country. We're not thankful for that particularly. But what are we thankful for? We can be thankful for a godly heritage. But we don't want to worship the heritage because if we worship the heritage rather than the God of that heritage, the heritage itself becomes an idol and God will not be in that kind of worship. So we're grateful. We're grateful for the godly heritage. We can thank the Lord for that. And then out of that thanksgiving, we say, Lord, would you somehow enable us to recover gratitude in our hearts, and in our land. It's amazing what gratitude does. In the final segment of the program here today, we're going to see how even the world of science is saying, wow, this matter of gratitude is more than we think it is. It's not just a feeling. It's a big deal. Your entire health may depend upon your gratitude or lack thereof. I remember Andre Crouch. 
back in the 1970s, Andre Crouch and the Disciples, he wrote the song called My Tribute. How can I say thanks for the things you have done for me, things so undeserved you gave to prove your love for me? The voices of a million angels could not express my gratitude. All that I am and ever hope to be, I owe it all to you. To God be the glory, to God be the glory, to God be the glory for the things he has done. Oh, let me live my life. Let it be pleasing, Lord, to you. And if I gain any praise, let it go to Calvary. To God be the glory. How can I say thanks? became a very, very well-loved song. Why? Because it expressed what God wanted to come from our hearts. Praise and thanksgiving are directly linked together. You can't truly praise the Lord if you don't have an attitude of gratitude. What are you praising him for? It's false praise. True praise has to issue out of a heart of gratitude. It's a way of expressing thanksgiving. Because we realize it's not of me, it's of thee. So within the body of Christ, for instance, we want to be grateful. We want to express thanksgiving to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Do it with purpose. Do it with love. Help ask God to give you a new eyes and a new heart and new appreciation for those around you. And you might just consider letting it start in your own home. That's where it had to start for me. I've been married for many, many years at that time. My wife and I were both Christians, and I was grateful for her, but not in the full sense when God began to reveal to me the utter foundational importance of gratitude. And it began to change everything. And it'll change it for you too. Give thanks with a grateful heart. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Let the peace of God rule in your heart and be thankful. 
Have you noticed how in the Bible the word peace and thanksgiving are linked together? Both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. In the book of Philippians, Paul writes that the prayer of thanksgiving brings peace, the peace of God. In Colossians, he says, let the peace of God rule in your heart and be thankful. How can we have the peace of God rule in our hearts in the midst of the the kind of situations that we're facing, the news that is spilling out everywhere that is so disconcerting? By focusing on gratitude. You say, how do you do that when you have to keep up with all of the news and all of these things that seem to be so depressing? Well, it's one thing to be informed by those things so that I can help my brothers and sisters to be transformed by setting their minds and hearts aright in response to those things. It's another thing for me to fall under the uh, the depression of those things, and what keeps me from doing that? An attitude of gratitude. So I don't come under that kind of oppression or depression. It's called the sacrifice of thanksgiving. And when we offer the sacrifice thanksgiving, we don't do it under compulsion. We do it at our own will, said the writer of Leviticus. So if we really want to know the will of God, the first place to start, perhaps, is with thanksgiving. Jesus gave thanks. Paul wrote, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God conserving you. The psalmist write, offer unto God thanksgiving. Let us come before his face with thanksgiving. Let us enter his gates with thanksgiving. <coughs> and we're going to end our program here today with the question, do you want to be prepared for Christ's second coming? Uh, you might guess what one of the quintessential elements is. We'll look at that in just a few moments. Gratitude is good for the soul and helps the heart also. Now we're looking at the world of science and the world of psychologists and uh, those who are looking at human behavior and human emotions and also looking at the effect of human behavior and human emotions upon our bodies. So let me share these things with you. Perhaps it will be encouraging from a different standpoint. Research is showing that feeling grateful doesn't just make you feel good. It also helps, literally helps your heart. Now, I would, I would say I would change that. It's not about feeling grateful. It's about being grateful. Some people might feel grateful, but they're not really grateful. And they're not willing to express it because they're selfish. So it's not just about our feelings. It's about what we do, an attitude of the heart. But this article says gratitude fends off depression, stress, and anxiety, which can increase the risk of heart disease. 
According to Paul Mills, a professor of family medicine and public health at the University of California, San Diego School of Medicine, Mills specializes in disease processes and has been researching behavior and the heart health for decades. He wondered if the very specific uh, attitude of gratitude made a difference also. So he did a study. He recruited 186 men and women, average age 66, who had already had some damage to their heart, either through years of sustained high blood pressure or uh, heart attack or even infection of the heart itself. So they each had to fill out a standard questionnaire to rate how grateful they uh, felt for people and places and things and so on in their lives. Well, here's what happened. It turned out that the more grateful people were, the healthier they were. Dr. Mills says they had less depressed mood, slept better, and had more energy. So when Mills did blood tests to measure inflammation, the body's natural response to injury or plaque buildup in the arteries, he found lower levels among those who were grateful, which was an indication of better heart health. So, He wasn't satisfied just with that. He did a small follow-up study to look even more closely at gratitude. He tested 40 patients for heart disease and noted biological indications of heart disease, such as inflammation and heart rhythm. Then he asked half of the patients to keep a journal and write about two or three things they were grateful for each day. People wrote about everything. And after two months... Dr. Mills retested all 40 patients and found that health benefits for the patients who wrote, who actually wrote in their journals as requested, inflammation levels were reduced and heart rhythm improved. So Mills says he's not exactly sure how gratitude helps the heart, but he thinks it's because it reduces stress, which is a huge factor in heart disease. So he says, Let the sense of gratitude wash over you. It'll help you to manage and cope. Well, that's true. It is absolutely true. It's like medicine. The Bible, the psalmist wrote about how the word of God was, actually, I think it was the writer of the Proverbs who wrote about how the word of God is like medicine. And it is. No wonder so many people are having a difficult time, even Christians. And I'm not suggesting that all of the difficulties that we have are due to a lack of gratitude. But many of them are. When we murmur and complain, we cannot at the same time have an attitude of gratitude and thanksgiving. Can't do it. You can't give thanks to God and gripe at the same time. Do you know that the lack of, of gratitude and thanksgiving kept 400, excuse me, six, I'm sorry, 599,998 uh, adult children of Israel who had come out of Egypt with, the, with God's mighty hand kept them from the promised land? They murmured and they complained. 
God was up to his eyeballs with their murmuring and complaining. They were not grateful. They did not recognize his mighty hand. They refused to remember, and therefore he gave them up to their own murmuring, complaining, and he said, okay, you're going to die in the wilderness. You're not going to enter my promised land. Now, here's the interesting thing. Please listen carefully. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 10, talking about how the children of Israel came out of Egypt, talked about how uh, God led them out with a mighty hand through the Red Sea, and uh, uh, they came out with everything that they needed, and that God provided. He provided water gushing out of a rock. He provided manna from heaven. He provided all kinds of things that were obviously of his hand. But they still murmured and complained. So here's what the Apostle Paul wrote about that. He said, those things happened to them for our example unto whom the ends of the world are come. Therefore, take heed that what happened to them does not happen to you. Hmm. You get the picture? Maybe, just maybe, friends, it's time for us to take seriously God's command to thanksgiving and gratitude. Gratitude can make you more patient. Improve your relationships. Help you to sleep. Ease depression. Increase your happiness and enjoyment. So let's take a look at these times, these end times, and where all this connects. Do you want to be prepared for Christ's second coming? There's a connection here. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Timothy, in the last days, perilous times will come. You know what he said about those perilous times? One of the premier characteristics is unthankful and unholy. Unthankful. He says the same thing in Romans chapter 1. Lack of gratitude is one of the premier characteristics of the end times. It severs us from the God who created us. And we're cast out on our own. So we'll seek other gods. We'll even submit. And be grateful to a godless government to provide that which God himself wanted to provide, but we rejected it and were ungrateful. Then, in 1 Thessalonians, Paul writes again, that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. So we should be sober, serious-minded. And in that context, in everything, give thanks. Wow. Perhaps you never thought about it that way. That this is all connected to the end times. Then in Revelation chapter 7, he writes, that is, John writes, multitudes will cry before God and the Lamb, saying, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. 
You want to be part of that group? You might want to consider giving the sacrifice of Thanksgiving now. Otherwise, you may not be part of that group giving the sacrifice of Thanksgiving in heaven. Remember, 599,998 children of Israel, heirs according to the promises given to Abraham, did not make it to the promised land because they were ungrateful and murmured and complained, meaning that they didn't truly trust God. See, what God is really after is our trust. He's looking for a relationship. He wants us to be grateful. Just like you, Mom, and you, Dad, want your children to be grateful, and when they are not, you are deeply grieved, aren't you? God is no different, but he's our creator. He's our sustainer. Isn't he? So as we consider remembering our founding, an op-ed piece came out a year after we formed Save America Ministries from Paul Greenberg. He said the pilgrims left an indelible mark. He said, don't anybody be shocked, but those pilgrims being celebrated today weren't just cardboard cutouts. They were part of the religious right, so to speak, or maybe the religious left because they were in community. But they were definitely religious. These folks believed in something beyond themselves. It wasn't a stained glass kind of faith, but beliefs that impelled sacrifice and risk and commitment. And their ideas would cause them to pick up roots and resettle, to become strangers in a strange land. And friends, that's just who you and I are called to be. Strangers, pilgrims, and sojourners. Not following the ways of the world, but seeking the Lord with a whole heart. Share these things with your family. Be an agent of gratitude and thanksgiving. And God will bless you and honor you as you honor him. For them that honor him, he will honor. Thanks for joining us. Become a partner. Send your gifts by faith to Save America Ministries. Do it today. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home. 